Здравствуйте! Hello everyone! This is John Simlock from Russia. And when I'm cold, I listen to number one hit Star Trek podcast, Treks in Sci-Fi, hosted by my comrade Rico. Dasvidanya. Dasvidaniya to you uh, too, John. Thanks for that intro from Russia. That was John. And this is Treks in Sci-Fi with your host Rico for July the 15th, 2007. This will be podcast number 130. Going to have, uh, I think, a great show. Going to look at an excellent uh, Next Generation episode called Relics, which the Trek fans out there all know and love. Got some news about the Star Trek movie a little bit. Uh and some other tidbits in the news area, and got a few listener calls to play, lots of good stuff, a, uh, a guest collectible review for you, another book review, and all the good things you've come to expect from Treks in Sci-Fi. So stay tuned. Here we go. Rico. re 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 rico Treks in Sci-Fi. Treks in Sci-Fi. Captain, incoming message. A weekly dose of sci-fi and Star Trek information. Shut up, Wesley. Shut up, Wesley. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show for the week. This is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. Yes, uh, it's been... uh, as usual, a rather busy week for me uh, with the job and home and, and everything in between. Enjoying my new car still. I've uh, seen a couple of movies. Going to be talking about that here in a second. Uh, yeah, the uh, the past week uh, been maybe, I don't know if I mentioned this before uh, recently, but I've, I've visited for work a couple of times so far. Taiwan went there back in May, and I am going again, it seems. Yes, uh, I might as well just get a like a little Taiwanese apartment over there, and you know, order some rice and noodles, and have it stocked up because I I seem to uh, be in some kind of a Far East trend lately at work. I'll be going there again uh, on July 29th until uh, August 7th, so uh, I guess about 10 days or so. Right now, uh, my plan is to not really disrupt the podcast too much. There will be definitely a week I will be over in Taiwan during that time, but I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna try to have something special lined up ahead and, and sort of prep to uh, to go out on the usual podcast day or close to it. Uh, so that is the story on um, on the podcast and how that will be coming out. Uh, I don't think things will change too much on that. I probably won't be on. For the people out there that are on the forums, probably won't be on the forums quite as much when I'm on my trip uh, like I was the last time. And also probably be going again sometime before the end of the year. So it's, uh, you know, time to rack up those uh, frequent flyer miles. So it, it's an interesting place, and, and, and I don't mind going. I've, I've gone a couple of times now, and I'm getting kind of used to it, I guess. So, But uh, the, the plane rides are rather long, and it is a tiring kind of a trip to, uh, to go on. But it is an interesting place. 
I don't want to spend a lot of time talking here because I'm going to do a, uh, a full commentary on the episode Relics uh, from TNG today for the main topic. And so that's about the, the episodes are roughly 45 minutes long. So we don't have a lot of time to chat, but I do want to mention a few things. Uh, one is the first, I saw the Harry Potter movie, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. And Saw it uh, just this past Friday night, a couple days after it opened, and with the family, and we all, I think, really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I liked it a lot. I, I feel that this is one of the best of the Harry Potter movies, at least for me. I know they did cut quite a bit out of the book. The book is rather long, and I knew that going in. I have read the book, so I think that may, yeah, that may color my perception a little bit. I know uh, a lot more of what's going on that they don't get a chance to for time and things to show on screen. But it, it does seem to be doing rather well with, uh, with you know, the box office, and a lot of people seem to be enjoying it. Uh, looking forward a lot in one week to uh, get the last book in the series, uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows. Is that what it's called? I think that's kind of an odd name, but anyway, uh, the uh, the last book, yes, coming out, got it on pre-order from Amazon, so looking forward to that. But I, this latest movie I thought was, it was really well done. I think the actors uh, did a great job. Uh, the story, uh, of course, from J.K. Rowling was good. The all the main, you know, people. It's always fun to see them every couple of years. See the cast back on the big screen, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, speaking of movies, I have a uh, a quick uh, Transformers review. I think this is from uh, also from our buddy John in Russia, who has his. Uh, comments about the transformers the recent michael bay uh blow them smash them beat them up epic uh that's doing well at the box office so here's john's comments about transformers hello rico this is john so much from russia again and i'm sending in my comments about the film transformers which i saw earlier this week overall i have to say that i was disappointed in the film i'm not a movie snob or anything like that i'm a 35 year old adult who went to see the film all by himself a film about the robots that change the cars but the robots back to cars again. So I had an open mind. I was very interested in seeing how the special effects were done. Special effects are very important to me in films like this. And while on the subject of special effects, I have to say that those were done brilliantly. Uh, the way the Transformers changed from car to robot back to car again is done seamlessly. It's everything you could have asked for in this film. And on that note, the film gets an A+. But where the film fails is in its story. Uh, the, the, the film just doesn't have enough of the Transformers in my opinion, actually. Uh, the story is based heavily around this boy, Sam, and how he's a normal teenager who's trying to live a normal teenage life, get girls and stuff like that. And it just didn't do it for me. Uh, there are very long stretches of the movies that don't feature the Transformers at all and don't have much action in them as well. There are good action scenes at the beginning, um, a little bit uh, later on, and at the end, but there are very long stretches that have no action and no Transformers. Uh, the boy Sam, just, I didn't have any sympathy for him at all. Uh, he, uh, I wouldn't have minded if one of the Transformers had just stepped on him. Uh, in many ways, I do compare this movie to uh, the, the film King Kong, which I liked a lot. Uh, King Kong didn't have the best of storylines, but it had enough action scenes, breathtaking action scenes, which kept you going through the film. Transformers has a, a very weak storyline, and just not enough action to pull you through it. And also, why I'm on the subject of action scenes, that the, uh, the action scenes were sometimes a bit disjointed. They were very well done in terms of the CGI, but sometimes I had a hard time following it. 
So, overall, uh, brilliant special effects, good action scenes, and an incredibly weak storyline. Uh, make your own decision about whether or not you want to see the film, but I found it very hard to sit through the boring scenes that, and wait until I got to the action scenes, which I really wanted to see. Would have liked to have seen far more of the Transformers, far more of their story, what their motivations are, and less of them. Thank you. Well, thanks for your comments about Transformers, uh, John. Uh, one quick comment I'll, I'll have to make uh, up front is I would just suggest uh, on the future, if you send in any other audio comments about anything, if you do play some background music, and this probably applies to everyone, uh, some people do it better than others, and it does take some experience, but make sure your background music is, is playing very, very low. Uh, kind of go as low as you think, you, you know, barely hear it if you're playing it through some kind of headphones or something because it will overwhelm your voice quite a bit. I'm not sure if everyone picked up on John's comments during his recording there, but basically John wasn't really all that happy with the movie. He thought that the story was kind of weak. Uh, he wanted more uh, more Transformers, more action, and less of the uh, the, the Sam character and so forth. Uh, I think I talked about the, the movie last week after I had seen it, and I did enjoy it quite a bit more, I think, than you did, John. But, you know, everyone has different opinions about these types of movies, so uh, I'm, I'm open to hearing from everyone. But, again, uh, keep that background music a little lower next time. But thanks anyway, John. All right, let's switch gears to uh, some quick stories in the news and things, especially about Star Trek and uh, some interesting things popping up in the news. Not a huge, uh, a lot uh, more information coming out on the movie. Again, Comic-Con, which is finally happening, uh, is it next weekend? No, I guess we're still two weeks away from Comic-Con. Yes, we're still two weeks away. But that's when the, all the big news, the producers should be there uh, releasing some info. A couple things, though. Uh, the guy who plays Siler, Zachary Quinto, that's his real name. Uh, he, on uh, Heroes, he plays Siler, the character of Siler. Ugh, how many times have I said that? Sorry. <laughs> that's the latest rumor floating around. Not sure if I've that's been come up or come up on the podcast before, but that's the latest rumor flying around who's going to play the the young Spock in the movie. And uh, while I think he has the look of Spock, of Leonard Nimoy and the Spock character and could probably do that. I just think, you know, Heroes is a pretty popular show, and he's associated with this character of Siler, which even the name Siler sounds kind of Vulcan. So I'm not so sure this is a great idea. I'd almost prefer an unknown kind of do this this role, perhaps. But, you know, who knows? Uh, it's, you know, they've always got that trade-off of going with unknowns who aren't associated with certain characters or anything like that versus paying somebody who seems to be pretty popular right now and heroes is a pretty hot show so we'll see what happens hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll have some more confirmed information about that the the more interesting bit of news i feel this this past week on the star trek realm was the um announcement that the you know they've been doing these star trek remastered episodes that have been airing for quite a while now since last fall and it's always been mentioned that these will eventually make their way onto uh one of the new HD formats, probably HD DVD. But the interesting bit of news in Star Trek, uh, or for Star Trek uh, fans out there, is that somehow, somewhere, and, and who knows what they've discovered, but they have supposedly found some, like, lost footage from, you know, a variety of episodes of the original series, something behind-the-scenes footage, lost footage from the episodes. It hasn't really been completely determined what they found, how much they found, 
But the talk is that some of this, uh, you know, missing footage or, or other footage from the original series out there will be on and put on these HD DVD discs that they're going to release, which is is really amazing considering, you know, Star Trek for 40 years has been in the, in the fan spotlight. And it's kind of surprising to me being a fan for so long of the original series that they've somebody somewhere has found a little shoebox, you know, with little old reels of, of movie uh, uh, movies on them, you know, from the original series that they're managing to, to dust off and save and are going to somehow include in these HD DVD packages. Now, again, who knows how much there will be? Who knows if it's just, you know, five seconds of material spread out over 79 episodes? I don't know, but I think it's a kind of, you know, pretty interesting uh, tidbit, and uh, we'll keep our eyes and, and ears peeled for more information on this. So, and it's definitely going to get me to buy those HD DVD sets. Uh, probably would have anyway, but this this pretty much sealed the deal on that. And the uh, the last thing I want to mention is a little bit about uh, start the Star Wars uh, on the Star Wars side of things. Star Wars uh, Celebration Europe. Uh, it looks like uh, you know Mark Hamill, David Prowse was there, along with a lot of other Star Wars celebrities. And there's some interesting articles about uh, that out on the internet. Uh, I, I was reading one before I started the podcast. I will link it in the podcast notes. It's by I believe uh, uh, it's called uh, thesun.co.uk. They have a good article, and the name of it is called Luke, who it is at the reunion. What? That doesn't sound like a very good title. Luke, who it is at the reunion. Oh, Luke. Oh, I get it. It's a play on words. Oh, sorry. I'm a little asleep this morning. Ah, Luke. Luke, who it is at the reunion. And there's a picture of David Prowse uh, and Mark Hamill together over, kind of leaning on an R2 unit uh, from this. So uh, it, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's a good little article, and I know people were not very happy with the fact that Mark Hamill didn't manage to show up at uh, Celebration here in the United States. But I think he had a prior commitment from what I've read. Uh, you know, he's kind of has tried to stay a little away from the Star Wars spotlight uh, over the years uh, for a variety of reasons. But, I, you know, he does show up now and then, and I think he is definitely a fan. He's a big comic book fan, a big sci-fi fan from the old days. So uh, he does try to do things when he can. So anyway, read the article and... and uh, let uh, let me know what you think. Okay, we've uh, really rolled into this. We got 15 minutes into the podcast or so now, and we've got to get started on the episode relics from the sixth season sixth season of Star Trek: The Next Generation. And without any further ado, I'm going to start playing the episode, and I will comment as we go. So here we go with relics. Captain, I have identified the signal. It is from the USS Janolan, a Federation transport ship reported missing in this sector 75 years ago. Code 1 Alpha 0, ship in distress. Take us out of war, Benson. All stop. Aye, sir. Report. This episode first aired in October of 1992. There are no stars or other stellar bodies listed on our navigational charts. However, sensors indicate the presence of an extremely strong gravitational source in this vicinity. Can you localize the source of the gravitational field? We're in the uh, sixth season of Next Generation, early in the sixth season. I'm having difficulty scanning the object. It appears to be approximately 200 million kilometers in diameter. That's nearly as large as the Earth orbit around the sun. Why didn't we detect this before now? The object's enormous mass is causing a great deal of gravimetric interference. 
That might have prevented our sensors from detecting it before we dropped out of warp. Mr. Data. Could this be a Dyson sphere? The object does fit the general parameters of Dyson's theory. A Dyson sphere? It's a very old theory, number one. I'm not surprised that you haven't heard of it. In the 20th century, a physicist called Freeman Dyson postulated the theory that an enormous hollow sphere could be constructed around a star. This would have the advantage of harnessing all the radiant energy of that star, and any population living on the interior surface would have virtually inexhaustible sources of power. Are you saying you think there are people living in there? Possibly a great number of people. Yeah, I guess commander. Picard keeps his uh, subscription to, you know, technology review uh, up to date uh, in, even in the 24th century. Sir, I have located the distress signal. It is coming from a point in the northern hemisphere. Engine Rega. The nice thing about, uh, you know, this episode and a lot of the later seasons of Next Gen is, you know, all the actors are, are very comfortable with the roles that they're playing. It's, it's a really smooth operation by this point in time in, in Next Generation history. Very nice uh, effects works in this episode, especially uh, the Dyson Sphere, the Janolin, and everything. It is impacted on the surface of the sphere. Magnified. There are no life signs. However, there are several small power emanations, and life support is still functioning on minimal levels. Riker to Engineering. Jordy, join us in Transporter Room 3. Mr. Worf. Just to get it uh, out of the way, this episode was uh, written by our uh, one of our favorite Next Gen writers, uh, Ron Moore, who does Battlestar Galactica these days and is a huge uh, original series Star Trek Last fan. Is barely operating. See if you can increase the oxygen level. Aye, sir. Which probably explains what this, why this episode is the Commander. way it is and what it's all about. The transporter is still online. It's being fed power from the auxiliary systems. The rematerialization subroutine has been disabled. And that's not all. Phase inducers are connected to the emitter array. The override is completely gone, and the pattern buffer has been locked into a continuous diagnostic cycle. This doesn't make any sense. Locking the unit into a diagnostic mode just sends the matter array through a pattern buffer. Why would anyone... There's want a pattern to... in the buffer still. It's completely intact. There's less than 0.003% signal degradation. How is that possible? I don't know. I've never seen a transporter jury rigged like this before. Ah, but there's one guy who could do it. Could someone survived <laughs> inside a transporter buffer for 75 years? I know a way to find out. Scotty returns. I don't know if you could tell in that uh, what I was playing there from the episode, but the transporter sound effect and the actual visual effect were from the original series. They managed to actually find uh, some pretty good audio and visual uh, effects that they could use for this. Even though the Janolin is really a, a more advanced vessel than the original series, Space. I thought it was kind of a nice thing to, to throw in the original effects for These the transporter the there to bring Scotty the to the 24th century. It's continuing mission. 
Now this episode is, of course, probably a, a Star Trek fan like myself's uh, dream come true. You have both uh, the Next Generation crew, who by this point uh, in the series had become, you know, near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, just as much as the original series characters and show had become. Combine that with the fact that they're bringing back an original series character, and you can you almost kind of have an a, a no-miss situation like they did in uh, the previous season with Spock, with Leonard Nimoy for unification. Here they're bringing back an original uh, character from Star Trek. Now, early in Next Generation history, they tried to avoid this as much as they could. You know, they were trying to really go off on their own, form their own way, not rely too much on the original series, uh, either actors or storylines or anything like that. But they had gotten pretty established by this point, especially when you got some of the Borg episodes out of the way in the middle of the third, fourth seasons, and that really had come into their own and stood on their own feet, the Next Gen crew did. So by this point, they were happy to use some of the original series people. Thank you, lad. Oh, we got to get Franklin out of there. Someone else's pattern is still in the buffer? I met Franklin. We went in together. Something's wrong. One of the inducers has failed. Boost the gain on the ladder stream. Come on, Franklin. I know you're still in there. No use. His pattern's degraded 53%. He's gone. I'm sorry. So am I. He was a good lad. I'm Commander William Riker, Starship Enterprise. Lieutenant Commander George LaForge. The Enterprise? I should have known. I bet Jim Kirk himself hauled the old gal out of mothballs to come looking for me. Captain Montgomery Scott, tell me, how long have I been missing? Well, sir, I have restored life support. The oxygen levels will return to normal shortly. Uh, Captain Scott, Lieutenant Worf. Lieutenant? Yes. Uh, Captain, perhaps there are a few things we should talk about. Obviously, Scotty's not cool. He really used to having a Klingons aboard Federation starships. We should probably get you to sick bay. Dr. Crusher will want to you have... changed the resonator array. Jordy, I think our guest is going to have a lot of engineering questions. Not to worry, Commander. I'll take care of What have you done with the duotronic enhancers? Well, those were replaced with isolinear chips about 40 years ago. It's a lot more efficient now. Oh, that's an EPS power tap there. So, you were saying a little earlier that you were on your way to the Norkin uh, colony when you experienced warp engine failure? Aye, that's right. See, we had an overload in one of the plasma transfer conduits and the captain brought us out of war, it's but just so, we had some uh, gravimetric it's just so nice to see this happen, you know, with Scotty aboard uh, oh, is that a Enterprise D. It's, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it almost looks natural in a way. It's as big as life. You mean a Dyson sphere. Aye, an actual Dyson sphere. 
Can you imagine the engineering skills needed to even design such a structure? Yeah, I know. It's pretty amazing. And I have to say so right now off the bat that this is probably well, Jimmy Dewan's, you know, one of his best of uh, performances as we Scotty. Obviously, he gets a lot the to do in this episode, and he really shines. power uh, coil suddenly exploded. Mm. The ship got caught in the sphere's gravity well, and down we went. Franklin and I were the only ones to survive the crash. Can I ask you a question? What in the world made you think of using the transporter pattern buffer to survive? Well, we didn't have enough supplies to wait for the rescue, so we had to think of something. Yeah, but locking it into a diagnostic cycle so that the pattern wouldn't degrade and then cross-connecting it with the phase inducers to provide a regenerative power source, that's absolutely brilliant. Well, I think it was only 50% brilliant. Franklin deserves better. You know, I think you're going to enjoy the 24th century, Mr. Scott. We've made some pretty incredible advances these last 80 years. Well, from what I've seen, you've got a fine ship, Mr. Lafarge. A real beauty here. I must admit to being a bit overwhelmed. Mm. Wait till you see the holodeck. It's really nice, too, in this episode that, that you uh, have a, hairline a fracture big part of it is they put together Scotty and Jordy, you know, the two days, engineers together. Fine. For the episode, which it which was very appropriate. Well, I'll say this about your enterprise: the doctors are a fair sight prettier. I'm Jean-Luc Picard. Welcome aboard the Enterprise, Captain Scott. Thank you, sir, and call me Scotty. How are you feeling? I don't know. How am I feeling? Other than a few bumps and bruises, I'd say you feel fine for a man of 147. And I don't feel a day over 120. I must say, I was a little surprised when Commander Riker told me that you were on board the Genola. Our records didn't show you listed as a member of the crew. Well, I was never actually a member of the crew. I was just a passenger. <laughs> I was heading for Nordburn 5 to settle down and enjoy my retirement. I see. Well, I would very much enjoy the opportunity of hearing you talk about your career. I'm sure you would have some fascinating insights into the events of your time. I'd be happy to. Good. Well, I look forward to it. Excuse me. Commander, we need to begin a full spectrograph analysis of the Dyson Sphere. I'll get right on it, sir. Good. Once again, welcome on board, Captain. Sir, I need to get down to engineering and begin that analysis. Engineering? I thought you'd never ask. Captain, the first thing you need to get is some rest. Now, this has been a shock to your system, and I want you to not push yourself. We're pretty busy down there anyway, Captain Scott. I promise I'd be happy to give you a tour just as soon as the doctor says it's okay. I'll find someone to show you your quarters. You know, this uh, episode is uh, is really about still making a uh, making a difference. And Scotty feeling useful, and you know, it's a little bit of play on, on age and, and retirement. I think to a degree that, that people you Lord, know in man. that category can still me? participate, These can still make contributions. Quarters, and, sir. I can try and you know, find something bigger. It's a really well crafted episode, real, well written, and well day. acted. Even an admiral would not have had such quarters in a starship. You know, I remember a time we had to transport to the Dolmen of Elas. <laughs> you never heard anyone whine and complain so much about quarters as she did. The holodecks, 10 forward in the gymnasium, are all at your disposal. The computer can tell you how to find them. Until we issue you a combat, just use one of these panels if you need anything. You know... These quarters remind me of a hotel room in Argelius. Oh, now, there is a planet. 
everything a man wants right at his fingertips. Of course, in the first visit, I got into a wee bit of trouble. Excuse me, sir, but I have to return to duty. Ah. Well, really uh, a heavy influence there by Ron Moore. All you. the references to the original series. Very, very cool stuff, and and it's nice when you know you're a fan of that show when this first aired i remember seeing you know how cool it was that he you know brought those memories back of the original series episodes uh about argelius and and what happened to scotty there and the murder thing and, and the elaine story with the dolman there and the quarters yeah she didn't like her quarters just just cool little touches like that make this episode really special I want you to shut down the warp engines and recalibrate the aft sensors while I work on the lateral array. Aye, sir. Can I help you, sir? Oh, I don't think so, Lassie, but I'll let you know if you can. Now Scotty, of course, is, is going down to engineering because, you know, that's his home. That's where he feels comfortable. Call me Scotty. Scotty, this really isn't a good time for a tour. We're running a phase seven survey of the Dyson Sphere. I'm not here for a tour, laddie. I'm here to help. That's very kind, but I'm sure we can handle it. I was a Starfleet engineer for 52 years, Mr. LaForge. I think I'm still useful. You're right. We'd be grateful for any help you could give us. Good. Let's get to work. Sensors indicate the presence of a G-type star at the center of the sphere. Yeah, you know, it's, it's hard also for, a you know, Jordy, he, he's got a whole the crew there, a whole staff, and you to take Scotty in hand like that, you know, it's very a nice thing to do, but, data but kind of a hard thing still to do, capable too. Of supporting life. We have been unable to find any definite signs of current habitation. Mr. Data, send out a series of Class Four probes to survey the far side of the sphere. Perhaps we'll have more luck with them. In reading up a little bit about this episode, there was a, uh, a story pitch, I guess, of, uh, uh, that somebody had, uh, a guy named Michael R- Rupert had uh, submitted to the Next Generation cast, or not cast, excuse me, team, and about somebody saving themselves in a transporter loop, uh, not really necessarily Scotty. And that story idea had been tossed around for a while, that it would be a, an interesting way to bring back an old uh, member from the original series. And kind of by default, it turned out to be Scotty. They couldn't really do Kirk. They've already done Spock. They knew McCoy was already living in the future, kind of, you know, he's an old man. You saw him in the pilot episode of Next Generation. So Scotty became the sort of logical choice. And this episode has a lot to do with engineering, too, so it made a lot of sense. You change the laws of physics, I told him. But he wouldn't believe me. So I had to come up with a whole new engine startup routine. Do you know that your dilithium crystals are going to fracture? We recomposite the crystals while they're still inside the articulation frame. Look, Mr. Scott, I'd love to explain everything to you, but the captain wants this spectrographic analysis done by 1300 hours. Mind a little advice? Starfleet captains are like children. 
They want everything right now, and they want it their way. But the secret is to give them only what they need, not what they want. Yeah, well, I told the captain I'd have this analysis done in an hour. How long would it really take? An hour? Oh, you didn't tell him how long it would really take, did you? Well, of course <laughs> I love I this did. part. Oh, laddie, you've got a lot to learn if you want people to think of you as a miracle worker. Now, listen, Captain Scott. I've tried to be patient, I've tried to be polite, but I've got a job to do here. And quite frankly, you're in the way. I was driving starships while your great-grandfather was still in diapers. I'd think you'd be a little grateful for some help. I'll leave you to work, Mr. LaForge. come around. Now he's heading into uh, 10 forward. Which is probably, you know, if Scotty had 10 forward on the original series Enterprise, I'm not sure uh, any engineering work would have gotten done. Now this is an interesting thing that uh, Guinan, uh, W. Goldberg wasn't available for this episode, so Data Brent Spiner sort of steps in as bartender a little bit. Here you go, sir. Thank you. What in blazes is this? Didn't you order scotch? Laddie, I was drinking scotch a hundred years before you were born, and I can tell you that whatever this is, it is definitely not scotch. I believe I may be of some assistance. Captain Scott is unaware of the existence of synthahol. Synthahol? Yes, sir. It is an alcohol substitute now being served aboard starships. It simulates the appearance, taste, and smell of alcohol, but the intoxicating effects can be easily dismissed. You're not quite, uh, human, are you? No, sir. I am an android. Lieutenant Commander Data. <sighs> Synthetic scotch. Synthetic commanders. I believe Guinan does keep a limited supply of non-synthaholic products. Perhaps one of them would be to your liking. <laughs> now you're talking, Scotty, I would think. What is it? It is... It is... It is green. That's a play from uh, the episode by any other name when Scotty gets uh, one of the people from Andromeda sort of drunk. Uh, <sighs> Scotty uh, pulls out a bottle, all these different bottles from his quarters, and just says one of them. He doesn't know what it is, but he says, it's green. So it's uh, he's walking down the uh, corridor of uh, the Enterprise here now with uh, the bottle in his hand still and a little bit intoxicated. Please enter program. The android at the bar said you could show me my old ship. Let me see it. Insufficient data. Please specify parameters. One of the classic best scenes here the in this Enterprise. episode. Show me the bridge of the Enterprise, you chattering piece of... There have been five Federation ships with that name. Please specify by registry number. NCC-171. 
1901. No bloody A, B, C, or D. Program complete. Enter when ready. Here's to you, lads. Now, the scene of the bridge was rather interesting to create this. Uh, they didn't build the whole bridge set. It would have been too expensive. Pieces of it are real. Pieces of it are from film from an old episode of the original series. They borrowed I'm a, not interrupting. a set piece from a fan I was uh, just coming off duty. the center council. And I wanted to see how you were doing. Oh... Not at all. So they had a little all. wedge of real Would you have here. a drink with me, Captain? Thank you. I don't know what it is exactly, but I would be real careful. It's real. Aldebaran whiskey. Who do you think gave it to Guinan? Ah. Shows up. Picard can drink here, but of course he did grow up in a winery. Constitution class. Aye. You're familiar with them? There's one in the Fleet Museum, but... But then, of course, this is your enterprise. I actually served on two. This was the first. She was also the first ship I ever served on as chief engineer. You know, I served aboard 11 ships, freighters, cruisers, starships. But this is the only one I think of. The only one I miss. First vessel that I served on as captain was called Stargazer. It was an overworked, underpowered vessel, always on the verge of flying apart of the seams. In every measurable sense, my enterprise is far superior. But there are times when I would give almost anything to command the Stargazer again. Uh, it's like the first time you fall in love. You don't ever love a woman quite like that again. Yeah, really uh, well, nice stuff here. To the Enterprise and the Stargazer. Old girlfriends will never meet again. Yeah, something about, you know, not always newer and better is, is always what you prefer. What do you think of the Enterprise D? She's a beauty, with a good crew. But? But, when I was here, I could tell you the speed that we were traveling by the feel of the deck plates. But on your ship, I feel like I'm just in the way. 
75 years is a long time. If you would care to study some tactical schematics or... I'm not 18. I can't start out like a raw cadet. <laughs> now, there comes a time when a man finds that he can't fall in love again. He knows that it's time to stop. I don't belong on your ship. I belong on this one. This was my home. This is where I had a purpose. But it's not real. It's just a computer-generated fantasy. And I'm just an old man who's trying to hide in it. Computer, shut this bloody thing off. It's time I acted my age. They did a great job at recreating the bridge there. That was a very cool thing to see for the first time, and it was a bit of a surprise. It was never really revealed before the episode was aired. I remember seeing that, and I go, oh my gosh, you know, how did they pull that together for this episode? conducted an extensive survey of the Dyson Sphere. But it was a well, uh, uh, it was just a great scene. We did a really try to cool download to, their memory core, you know, but it was pay pretty some homage and respect a little we to the original series. To get much out of it. Perhaps Captain Scott could be of use in accessing that material. It's possible he does know those systems better than any of us. If you do notice, though, when Scotty first goes into uh, the holodeck Mr. there Ford. and he says the whole thing about, I want to see the Enterprise. NCC-1701 with no bloody A, B, C, or D. Uh, There are actually a couple bridges they could have shown him. They could have shown him the, of course, the original series bridge. Or they could have showed him the movie bridge from the early Star Trek films. Uh, Remember that? uh, Enterprise still had the same registry numbers. Didn't get the A until uh, Star Trek IV when they had to uh, dub another starship that they had around uh, with the 1701-A. But the computer somehow had a way of knowing, hey, Scotty really meant the the Enterprise, uh, the original 1701 bridge. Uh, kind of a little bit of a, a, a glitch Commander, there, but nothing much. There's a couple of those type of things in this episode, but nothing much. Communications device. There's an antenna array approximately 400,000 kilometers south of our present position. There's also a, uh, a little other little glitch there, I think, when they, the computer says there have been five vessels named Enterprise. Of course, at the time of this series airing, they didn't have... Um, there was no reference to it, the Enterprise that ends up in the show Enterprise, NX-01, uh, with Captain Archer and their crew in that series, of right? course. Yeah, so it's a little bit of a glitch, but again, not day. a big thing. I'll manage. Now, uh, of course, Scotty and okay. Jordy are going over the Janolan to uh, to try to uh, pull up some records and information off of the ship. Energize. And this is what, to me, the heart and the meat of this episode is all about, is when Scotty goes over here, you know, he really starts to feel like he's useful and, and, and you know, important uh, in what the crew needs and, and what the work that needs to be done. He's he's contributing again. Sensors and that's, uh, a, that's a very cool a thing. portal or airlock, possibly leading to the interior of the sphere. This looks like the front door. Should we ring the bell? Mr. Wolf, open a channel to that communications array. Aye, sir. Uh, they discovered this little portal area on the Dyson Some Sphere. Some kind of tractor beam is locked onto us. Help, get us out of here. We've lost main power. 
Auxiliary power down to 20%. Being basically pulled inside. Pulled inside. Oh, Worf says it. Okay. That reminds me of an old Lost in Space episode where the Jupiter 2 uh, came upon a vessel on uh, one of the early episodes and it opened up and pulled them inside. Very cool stuff here with the Enterprise inside the Dyson Sphere. You know, this is like basically a huge, huge world. Like they said, the, the size of it is like the roughly the, the orbit us, of the Earth around the Sun, so... Hold position here until we can a get a huge there. surface area of land, water, right clouds around this star. Million kilometers from the star's photosphere. I am reading a great deal of surface instability. It may be. Sir, the inertial motion from the tractor beams is still carrying us forward. Impulse engines are offline, and I can't stop our momentum. We're falling directly into the star. Well, that's not so good, is it? Now back to the Janolan. Oh, the, the, I have to say a little bit about the model of the Janolan. This was uh, the primary computer database uh, also the model now. for the Janolan was a was a possibility okay. of the that they were going to use that style look for um, a runabout on Deep Space Nine was was one of the uh, possibilities for that. Bunch of old useless garbage, huh? I say it's old, Mister LaForge. It can't handle the interface of your power converter. This equipment was. Designed for a different era. The ship was, uh, the Janolan no, also was, uh, junk. used in Star Trek VI no, as an admiral like shuttle some of it's held together in that movie. Well. Remember that Century movie was only about a year or so before uh, this episode was done. Obsolete? Well, you know, that's interesting because I was just thinking that a lot of these systems haven't changed much in the last 75 years. This transporter is basically the same system we use on the Enterprise. Subspace radio and sensors still operate under the same basic principle. Impulse engine design hasn't changed much in the last 200 years. If it wasn't for all the structural damage, this ship still might be in service today. Maybe so. But when they can build ships like your Enterprise, who'd want to pilot an old bucket like this? I don't know. If this ship were operational, I bet she'd run circles around the Enterprise at impulse speeds. Just because something's old doesn't mean you throw it away. That's a great. You know, we used to have something called there. a dynamic mode converter. You wouldn't have something like that on your Enterprise, would you? I haven't seen anything like that in a long time. But I bet I might be able to come up with something similar. LaForge to Enterprise. LaForge to Enterprise, come in, please. Interference? No, they're gone. We will enter the sun's photosphere in three minutes. Maneuvering thrusters. I've got 30% power. It won't be enough to stop us. No, but it may be enough to turn us into orbit and hold our distance from the photosphere. Ensign, port thrusters ahead for. Starboard thrusters back for. Our flight path is changing. Right, 10.7 degrees, sir. Insufficient to clear the photosphere. Lieutenant Bartell, divert all power from the auxiliary relay systems to the maneuvering thrusters. Aye, sir. 
so they're veering off a little bit. We're in orbit, Captain. Our altitude is 150,000 kilometers. Nice looking uh, effects here. The sun is really I'll deep. see about getting main power back online. Very well. Mr. Data, begin a scan of the interior surface for life forms. I want to know who brought us in here and why. I see. Can't find them anywhere in orbit. Well, they could have crashed into the sphere like the Janolan. No, we'd be picking up background radiation if they'd gone down. There's another possibility. They could be inside the sphere. Maybe. Whatever happened, we've got to find them. Oh, I have to say, the uh, the name of the ship here, Scotty's uh, ship that he was on, the Janolan, comes from uh, Ron Moore. Uh, I guess visited some caves when he was at a convention uh, in Australia, uh, and that name, Janolan, was the name of the caves he visited, so that's where they came up with the name of Scotty's ship here. Pretty cool little bit of trivia there. We'll see what we can do with your power converter. The sphere appears to be abandoned, Captain. Sensors show that the star is extremely unstable. It is experiencing severe bursts of radiation and matter expulsions. And that would explain why they abandoned it. But if there's no one still living there, how were we brought inside? I believe we have triggered a series of automatic piloting beams designed to guide ships into the sphere. Sir, sensors show a large magnetic disturbance on the star surface. It is a solar flare, Captain. Magnitude 12, Class B. Oh, uh oh, that's probably not Shields. so good. Shields are up, but only at 23%. The star has entered a period of increased activity. Sensors indicate that the solar flares will continue to grow. In three hours, our shields will no longer be sufficient to protect us, sir. Shut the deuterium from the main cryo pump to the auxiliary tank. Uh, the tank can't withstand that kind of pressure. <laughs> Would you? Where'd you get that idea? What do you mean, where did I get that idea? It's in the impulse engine specifications. Regulations 42 slash 15. Pressure variances on the IRC tank storage. Yeah. Forget it. I wrote it. A good engineer is always a wee bit conservative, at least on paper. Just bypass the secondary cutoff valve and boost the flow. It'll work. Okay. Always build a little safety margin into your We've specifications. Jobs, I know that even from my job. The engine should be coming back online about now. Hey, you were right. The auxiliary tank is holding. Take the bridge, Commander. Oh, no. You're the senior officer here. Why, oh, maybe captain by rank. But I never wanted to be anything else but an engineer. I think that's right. an important point, too. You know, Scotty never really, even though a few times in the original series he had to take command, but not really anything he ever aspired still to. Holding, sir. But Always down just was most comfortable down in engineering. Can we use a phaser to open a hole in the sphere? No, sir. The exterior shell is composed of carbon neutronium. Our weapons would be ineffective. Mr. Data, we have to find some way out of here. Begin scanning for another hatch or portal that might still be open. The interior surface area is over 10 to the 16th square kilometers. It will take seven hours to completely scan the surface, sir. 
endeavor to speed up the process, sir. So now that Janolan is uh, moving and is the outside the door trail of right to the Enterprise point. going in, it looks like the, some the door that the Enterprise doorway. got pulled through. No, I bet you two bottles of scotch that they're inside the sphere and that they went in right through that hatch. Yeah, no bet here. Question is how? Look at the momentum distribution of the ions. It would take an impulse engine, full reverse, to put out a signature like that. So they didn't go in willingly. This looks like some kind of communications array. Aye, we found hundreds of them when we did our initial survey 75 years ago. Did you try hailing them? Aye, that was standard procedure at the time, and we did it right before we crashed. Yeah, hailing is standard procedure today, too. Scotty, what if those aren't communications arrays? What if they're access terminals which are triggered by subspace signals on certain frequencies? Frequencies like our standard ship's hail. Exactly. The Enterprise, when they saw that terminal, they probably did the same thing you did 75 years ago, open a channel. Only this time, they triggered something that activated that hatch and pulled the ship inside the sphere. A very nice piece of reasoning, laddie. Nice indeed. Yeah, well, we could probably yeah, trigger so the hatch Scotty ourselves, Jury only we could pull in just like two they engineers together. Maybe all we need to do is to get our foot in the door. Now, we might not be pulled inside when the hatch opens. If we keep our distance from the sphere... Say, uh, half a million kilometers. Then when the hatch starts to close, we move in and we use the Janolan to jam the hatch open, hoping that the Enterprise will escape. You can't be serious. <laughs> that Jordy's hatch Jordy's looking is at him huge. Like he's, uh, It'll crush like this crazy. ship like an egg. Jordy, the shields will hold. Don't worry about that. And I can get a few extra gigawatts out of these babies. Oh, Scotty, it's crazy. Jordy... I have spent my whole life trying to figure out crazy ways of doing things. I'm telling you, as one engineer to another, I can do this. All right, let's do it. Well, I really like to the. Uh... I like the We're pace of this episode. You know, they introduce Scotty, and they, they bring him aboard. Okay. And then they get into this Here whole thing with the journal and the Dyson Sphere is, is another part of the episode, sort of the, uh, you know, less character, more plot-driven part. It's really well done. Not too fast, here. not too slow. Really well, well done episode in terms of pacing and story. That's it. Let's go. Full impulse. So they, they just triggered the door to open just for a second, and now it's closing again, but they're moving in to sort of stop the doors from shutting all the way. With sort of jamming it with the shields of the genome. Sir, there's an audio message from Commander LaForge. LaForge to Enterprise, do you read me? Go ahead, Commander, we read you. We're using the Janolan to hold open the hatch that you came through, but our shields aren't going to hold out much longer. Understood. Ensign, set a course. Funny now, all of a sudden, it seems like the Enterprise inside the sphere seems to have a little bit more power than it did before. 
Why they never really tried to get that door to open on their own. Nolan's taking a beating here, of course. The Force Enterprise. Captain, we're not going to be able to move this ship out of the way when you get here. You're going to have to destroy it in order to escape. How much longer before we reach them? With impulse engines operating at 60% power, it will take 1 minute 40 seconds. Bridge to transporter room 3. Prepare to beam 2 from the Janolan as soon as we're within range. Now there's one big glitch with this episode, and this is getting Scotty and Jordy off of the Janolan through the shield. I can't do anything else. One little, you know, maybe they phase the shield so they can get him out of there, ready, but... Sir. Beaming through shields has never been allowed, really, we within transporter range. Bridge to transporter room. Energize. Aye, sir. Fire torpedoes. <laughs> this always reminded me of, uh, you know, the Millennium Falcon sliding out of the worm and Empire Strikes Back or any other ship just sliding out in the nick of time. I know. That wasn't so bad, was it? <laughs> Captain's log. Stardate 46125. Cool stuff. The two engineers saved the day. Scotty was made a difference again one more time. While we proceed to Starbase 55. So, this alien space baby, which was about the size of a four-story building, really thought the Enterprise was its mother. Oh, you're pulling an old man's leg. <laughs> no, really. It was suckling power directly from the ship's fusion reactors. So Dr. Brahms and I changed the power frequency from 21 centimeters to 0 0.02 centimeters. So you soured the milk. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, enjoy these times, Geordie. You're the chief engineer of a starship. And it's a time of your life that'll never come again. When it's gone, it's gone. Now, lad, I thought you were going to buy me a drink and Scotty. send forward. Actually, Always enjoy your time, your moments. Now they're off to uh, the hangar deck area. And the first You're time you get to see Troy in this episode. What of your shuttles? Well, call it an extended loan. Since you lost your ship, saving ours, it seemed only fair. She's not much to look at. Laddie, every woman has her own charm. You just have to know where to look for it. Well, she's a little slow, but she'll certainly get you to the Norpin Colony, if that's really where you want to go. The Norpin Colony is for old men to retire. Maybe someday I'll end up there, but not yet. Bon voyage, Mr. Scott. Thank you, sir, for everything. Mr. Scott. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Scotty. Thank you. Bye. You will. Hey, he gives everyone a, a shake or a hug. A good crew. Except for a wharf. Yeah, they are. A fine ship. A credit to her name. But I've always found that a ship is only as good as the engineer who takes care of her. And from what I can see, the Enterprise is in good hands. You take care of yourself out there. I...
great episode, Relics from Star Trek Next Generation's sixth season, featuring the return of Scotty, Jimmy Doohan. Wonderfully done. Ron Moore did a great job with the script, all the actors. Just, just you know, almost perfect episode. One of my favorites uh, from Next Gen. You know, and it, it's just a, a cool way for them to pay tribute to the original series and also have a cool episode. The Dyson Sphere, some cool things there. Things that never had done before in Next Gen or any other Star Trek series. So, hope you enjoyed this look. I'm going to take a uh, very, very short break and be right back. Our host, Rico, will be right back with more sci-fi goodness on Treks in Sci-Fi. Okay, and again, as always, or as most of the time, I should say, it wouldn't be complete without a look at this episode by our uh, favorite father and son reviewers, Rick and Nathan. So here, take it away. (laughs) This isn't the rapping review. Hey, this is Rick. And this is Nathan. And this is the Father Father and Son Son Review. Review. Today, one of my... All-time favorite episodes and from mine. TNG. You liked it too? Mm-hmm. Well, good. Um, Relics. And Relics is a great episode. Thanks, Rico, for uh, for reviewing all the great episodes lately, the great movies and episodes. We're really, really enjoying it. This is Season 6, Episode 4. And uh, we really, really like this one. What's some of your favorite things from the show? I really liked how they brought the Enterprise bridge back from the original Enterprise. That was cool, the Constellation class. Mm -hmm. That was very, very awesome. And uh, we actually did some research on it, found out that uh, a fan actually donated that set to the uh, to them when they were filming. And, of course, we see the set again, but it's not the same thing. It's actually CGI in the DS9 uh, troubles with tribbles or tribble, tribbles and trials and tribulations. That's what it was. Uh, what's your favorite thing, though, though when they're standing outside uh, the holodeck? Well, I can't do the accent, so I'll let you try it. So he, he looks at it and he goes, Computer, show me my ship. <laughs> and it's like, that is not sufficient information. And he's The Enterprise. The Enterprise. There have been such and such. Cla- yeah. And, and then he goes, five. No bloody A, B, C, or D. And that's what we find out is uh, they show the 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 Enterprise. It, goes it was also used again in Trials and Tribulations, except they weren't able to get the whole set that time. That's right. They only used part of it, and then they, they green-screened the rest of it, which is kind of cool. Uh, great scene in the bar uh, at 10 Forward when uh, Scotty wants a drink, and he doesn't like the synthahol, so uh, Data goes behind the counter. You may be able to find something that will accommodate your needs. <laughs> That's right. And then he, he brings it out, and he pours him a drink, and he takes a drink, and he goes... <laughs> And he goes, what is this? And Data says... He looks at the bottle for a couple seconds and then smells it and then goes, it is... It is... It is green. <laughs> and that's actually a, a fallback. They actually had that very same scene in the old series when uh, the Scalosians were trying to speed everybody up or down or however that worked. But they, he, Scotty actually said that line in that one. It was kind of cool. Uh, we finally figure out what it is. It's Aldarian whiskey because uh, Picard says, who do you think gave it to Guinan? Which is kind of fun. We like that. Oh, and we solve the greatest mystery of all, why Scotty's a miracle worker. Remember it? I can't do the theme. Oh, you want me I to do the, do the accent? accent? You do all the other. You I all can't, d- but I can only do Sulu. Okay, well, yeah, so you don't want to do this line in Sulu's. Okay. <laughs> you didn't tell him how much time it really take, would you? did you? 
You didn't tell him how much time it would really take you, Captain. Okay. <laughs> right, right. Of course, uh, they didn't know about the Generations movie, so Scotty says that... Remember when they, they get uh, Scotty out of the pattern buffer? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they say, well... It's been I bet, 70 years. Yeah, I bet Kirk himself took the Enterprise out of mothballs to come and find me. Of course, he was the one who discovered that Kirk was dead in the Generations movie. But hey, who cares about continuity? It was a great episode. Some of our favorite things from the show was the Dyson, Dyson Sphere. How cool. I actually read some stuff by Larry Niven, uh, the Ringworld um, books, and it reminded me of that. You, we also like the ship... The Janolin. Oh, that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, the Janolin. It was kind of cool. But now, wait a minute. Let's do this. Are you ready? Yeah. That's very sad. Let's have a moment of silence for Franklin. Franklin, the guy that was stuck in the transporter buffer, never to be seen. The quickest guest appearance on TNG ever. Let's just do a a moment of silence. Are you ready? Ready? Here we go. Right now. (coughs) Okay. Excellent. Excellent. So that was for you, Franklin, even though you didn't get your name on the show or anything. Well, we got you heard your name, but we never got to see you. You know what I think it was? I think it was the guy who played Wayoon. Yeah, and Wayoon and Shran and just about 50 other characters. And the Ferengi and he the pro- Liquidator. They just couldn't show him on the screen. Right. Yeah, that had to have been him. All right, well, let's see. Annoying things from the episode. How about this? The way Scotty says diapers. 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 He used that line twice, and I'm not sure why they put it in again. Because Remember, he's, I was piloting starships when your grandfather was in diapers. Diapers. Whatever. I didn't like that. And, of course, the whole theme of the show was what? Just because someone or something is old doesn't mean that they aren't useful. That's pretty cool. Remember that, young man, when your father gets to be old. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I thought it would have been really cool to see where Scotty took his shuttlecraft that he was loaned by the Enterprise. That would have been a great series. The Adventure Let's Star Trek Scotty alone. Alone. <laughs> anyway, so uh, what do you give this episode? I give this episode a four, Captain, out of five. You give them a four out of five. Four point five. I'm gonna give it. I'm giving. I really. This is one of the best TNG episodes up there with Inner Light to me. I'm giving it. I know this is weird to do. I'm My giving, goodness. I'm giving it a five. Captain. Yeah, a five. So I there like, you go. <laughs> You're goofy tonight. I like Sulu. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say anything about Let's that. Let's keep on going. Okay. Goodbye. All right. Well, anyway, Rico uh, and everybody, it was fun. We really like the episode of Relics. Back to you. Have a great day. And uh, bless This you. was it's the Father, Father and Son, Son Review. Review. I was saying that before your grandfather was in day uppers. Captain. Oh, always a pleasure, guys. Thanks very much for that. Uh, those comments about relics. Yeah, great. I love the way Scotty says diapers also. Yeah, good good stuff. One thing I wanted to mention, one other little tidbit for that episode, uh, relics, which I didn't say at the time. There was a, a, a cut scene, I guess, that they had filmed with uh, Troy and uh, Scotty. After kind of Scotty has the little blow up with Jordy in engineering, gets kind of upset. He goes to see Troy sort of, and she's in her sort of counselor mode. And uh, then that then he eventually goes to the bar and that later on. So that that's kind of a little bit why they seem to be a little more friendly at the very parting scene at the end of the episode, when he, you know he he she gives him a little kiss on the cheek goodbye and all. So kind of sad that they didn't have a little scene with, between the two of them. You know, a little missed opportunity. So yeah, maybe someday that little bit of film will show up on an HD DVD too. So. And, hey, you know what, folks, I was going to try to cut some of this to to make this uh, podcast end here pretty quick. But, hey, what the heck, we're going to go for a long podcast today. Hey, everyone's still with me? I hope so. 
because we've got two more calls to play. And the first one, in uh, sort of celebration of the whole Dyson Sphere theme in this episode, I've got a review of uh, Rink World by our favorite sci-fi reviewer, The Duffster. So here you go with uh, this week's book review. Hey everyone, this is Duffster, and this is your science fiction book review, brought to you by ReadMoreSciFi.com. Today we're going to talk about the science fiction classic Ringworld by Larry Niven. This book was written in 1970 and won both the Hugo and Nebula Awards for that year. Um, If you talk to almost any science fiction aficionado, this book is on their list. It is just a fantastic story written by a fantastic author. Larry Niven is, is, he can create worlds better than almost any writer I've ever read before. Um, It is a story about uh, going to a a place called Ringworld, which is, well, you've all watched Relics, because you're listening to the show, obviously. Um, And this is a show about a Dyson sphere where they find Scotty. Well... Ringworld is kind of like a Dyson Sphere, which is a world created around a star, but in Ringworld, it's just a ring around the star. So the, the setting is fantastic. He, he has some really interesting characters, uh, some aliens called Pearson Puppeteers. Uh, the main, one of the main characters, Louis Wu, is a very old individual who, who uh, goes off on this incredible adventure. Um, Speaker of Animals is a Zen. If you've ever read any of Larry Niven's other books, it's all about a universe called Known Space, and a lot of his books were the Man-Zen Wars. Um, they are a feline predator species, uh, which uh, adds a lot of good interplay with the, the humans in this. And the last character in the book is uh, Tila Brown, uh, which uh, it's kind of surprising what her importance in the whole book is. Um, the... <laughs> This is a classic science fiction book, and, you know, I, I talk about a lot of different books, but there's a few that are on my must-read list. If you really want to get the crux of what science fiction writing should be and what books should be, this is definitely one of the books you need to read. Um, well, uh, that's about all I'm going to say about the book. If you haven't read it, you need to read it. If you haven't read it a long time, read it again. I just read it again, and, and you know I saw many things I hadn't remembered before. So, uh, once again, this is Duffster, and i got to remind you, of course, to read more science fiction. And uh, I'll talk to you all later. Ta-ta. Well, thanks very much, Duffster, as always, for your book review. Uh, very appropriately timed with uh, the discussion about the Relics episode, the Dyson Sphere this week's uh, topic. Uh, very much appreciated you sending in that review. Yeah, I read Ringworld oh, ages ago, back I think when I was in high school, and it's been a long time. I, I agree, you're right. It's a classic, and it's uh, i got to pull it. I've got it on my shelf over here, uh, along with a lot of other classic books that I've saved to uh, to reread, and it's it's on my uh, list. i got to read it again. It's been a long time, but you brought back a lot of uh, good memories of that book, so thanks very much got one more uh, review and then we'll come back back and wrap up this long podcast this one is from our friend jedi jeff he sent in a collectible review he's taking the uh the point on collectible reviews this week and he's got a review of some battlestar galactica collectibles so listen in on jeff's review 
Hi, this is Jeff, Jedi Jeff on the forums. Today I'd like to talk about some new items I recently got into my collection. It is the Battlestar Galactica Series 1 Mini Mates set. If you're not familiar with Mini Mates, they're kind of a, a small little figure, about two and a quarter, two and a half inches in size, um, similar kind of to the uh, Star Wars Kubricks from uh, Japan. If you're not really familiar with either of those, then uh, kind of think about a Lego minifig, but much larger in size and with more detail to it and articulation. Talk a bit about the Series 1 set here of the, the BSG. This is based off of the uh, the newer BSG which we've been watching for the last few years on the Sci-Fi Channel. The first wave kind of came out with six figures and one variant. They came in two packs. The packs included Apollo and a Duala, or, or like Lee and uh, D. Apollo was in his Viper uh, uniform and then the next pack included the Admiral Kane figure from the Pegasus and uh, Kara or Starbuck also in her uh, Viper uh, uniform and then um, the third set came with a Cylon, Centurion and uh, a Six. The regular um, figure was uh, the Six in her red dress but the variant, they also released a variant, which again was a pack of a Cylon and the variant, and it was the Cobalt 6 or the White Dressed 6. Uh, these things are very quite, actually quite um, articulated and detailed. Say so they've got lots of kind of moving parts to them. Their like, elbows kind of bend and their legs bend and their heads kind of pivot. As well, uh, some of them also come with accessories, like I'm looking at the Apollo one right now, and he comes with the accessory of a helmet that you can put on his head. Looks like you could take his hair off. I tried a little bit, but it's a little stiff and I didn't want to force it, but uh, looks like you could remove his, his hair and then uh, replace it with a helmet. Also, he comes with a, a little gun, which actually fits quite nicely in his hand, and also um, it can be also holstered, so it looks great if you want to kind of pose them and things like that. And these things come with um, a lot of nice little detailing to them. Not like really uh, screen accurate detailing, but um, you know, if there's spots on the on the uniform, uh, they've added it in there. So it really a nice little kind of attention to detail. Like I say, it kind of reminds me of the Star Wars, Star Wars Kubrick's line, which also is quite detailed. Also, another set, um, the Cylons came also um, with lots of different variants. They released a, a set of uh, Suncoast uh, Cylons and a set, set of five, and then they had a bunch of different... Uh, Cylons in that set, like they had a, uh, you know, some uh, Cylons with some battle damage. They had a, a Cylon from the Valley of Darkness. Then they also had the Cylon from Downloaded, and the Downloaded one was quite a, a bright silver type looking uh, Cylon, and also one with some cannons. So, I'm saying that came in a different set than the the set here for the uh, series one. Also, I'll just. Uh, make note of also they released um, another set of uh, original series uh, Battlestar Galactica Cylons. These were the ones from the original series and they released them in a set of five and I also picked those ones up because they look quite cool and uh, they're they're probably actually my favorite um, mini mate of all of these because um, I really love the uh, the, the new Battlestar Galactica, but also a real strong fondness for the uh, original back Battlestar Galactica as well. And these guys are really cool looking as well, and they released uh, some different variants of them. Um, like say they released just your kind of your standard silver Cylon, and then they also uh, released the, the Cylon uh, Command Centurion, that's the gold one, and then they released some with battle damage, um, and then also a black stealth Cylon. I'm not 
familiar with that one as much. I can't remember seeing that one in the television series. I'm not saying he wasn't there. I just don't remember him. So anyways, if, if you're kind of looking uh, for something to add to your collection, which isn't very much, like say these all didn't really cost much more than like uh, six or seven dollars uh, you know, a pack and uh, they look like they're fairly easily to uh, get at some of your comic stores or even maybe at Toys R Us. Anyways, uh, thanks for letting me review these and uh, back to your show, Rico. Thanks so much, Jeff, for your review of those uh, BSG Minimates. I had no idea they had that many different sets of them out. I'll have to check those out. I've gotten uh, some of the uh, Star Trek uh, little Minimate figures that they put out uh, a few years back, but I haven't gotten any BSG ones, so I'll have to look out for those and uh, pick up a couple of packs. So thanks, uh, everyone, for sticking with me on this long podcast. Thanks to everyone that contributed to the show. If you would like to contribute to the show, you can always email treksf at gmail.com or call the voicemail line, which is 206, yeah, here it is, yes, 206-6666-127. And that is the voicemail number you can call with your comments about movies, TV shows, books, whatever you'd like. Uh, and uh, let's that's let's get out of here. Let's wrap this up. Uh, it's going to be a long show. Again, thanks for everyone for sticking around. Hop over to Podcast Alley. Toss a vote for the podcast if you like it uh, each month. That would be great. Uh, next week, though, I, I do have uh, something in mind for next weekend's show already. I am going to cover uh, the classic, another classic sci-fi TV series, Space 1999. The two seasons of that show I'm going to cover next week. Uh, so if you got any comments about Space 1999, send those in for next week's show. Until then, everyone take care. Enjoy your summer. I will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. You said don't talk fast, and that's how you show excitement. All right, talk a little faster. Okay. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. This podcast, copyright 2007, all rights reserved.